So ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. Today, though, however, we are speaking with Brendan J. Sullivan, a.k.a. Pizzas on TikTok, everywhere else. He's also um, the former DJ of Lady Gaga. Him in his own right is just quite amazing. What a lovely young fella. And uh, just make sure you you actually listen to the conversation because we, we so get into like the nitty gritty of our industry. And it's just so nice having another chef on the channel, just talking and just getting to reminisce back in the old days. Again, for everybody else, Brendan. Oh, internet. Internet's yeah. a funny thing. I love you need how- an upgrade, bro. I have never gotten better at Zoom this entire pandemic. It is updated, I promise. <laughs> I'm yeah. quite proficient in, in communications. Hey, can I get a mic check from the two of you? I'm just I'm just headphones and uh, and right here. Can you check, tell the difference yeah. right here? You can hear me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds okay. good. Am I clearer if I go if I flip? Is this any clearer or any different? I mean that, that looks Not good. Really. Yeah, it's okay. all good. It's all right. We're we're Sounds not we're not too. Uh, don't worry. This is not a professional setup, bro. We're not like. Uh, <laughs> this isn't like. You know what I mean? We. I think no. Uh, we're professionals, yeah, we're, we're okay. Brandon. Yeah. I was talking about. Yo, so okay, let's let's on. man, let's jump right in. I'm super excited to have you, and uh, I've been wanting to have. I I mean, I've, I've never even had a conversation with you, but of course, I follow you and like I look at your content and like I'm a big fan. So. The you thing, too. Uh, if for. Yeah, and so like the the uh, for the, all the people watching and and listening, can you just give us a little snapshot, three minute summary of your history and what brought you to here and how you started creating content? Yes, I can. And can I use this as like a quick shout out to my forebearers, the people who yeah. trained me, loved oh, yes, me, of course. gave me love in life. Definitely, uh, after school job, high school, my parents work nights. I work in a pizza place. That happens uh, within. Uh, five years of that, I am uh, working every day at, at a restaurant in Manhattan. I'm the first one in the door every day, 9.30 a.m. First person I see is I, I, I go to work every single day and night out, and I have a murderer's row of talent. I, the first person I communicate with during the day is a chef named Junior Marino, who is currently executive chef of M Cantina in Detroit, in, in Dearborn, Michigan. Gonna absolutely gonna be the first Michelin star for Detroit. That's that's my guy. That I am. No one knows my name. I am called Junior Junior at work, <laughs> because Junior Marino is the yo-yo ma of flavor, and he is teaching me everything I know. Uh, so from then I go, uh, and uh, our our chef is uh, Miami's hottest. Guy comes up, Chef Willis Lawhead. He comes up from Miami to take over the kitchen there. We are on our way to win the first Michelin star in the U.S. Then in the middle of service every day with a, the seas part because in walks Charles Masson. And Charles Masson is the, uh, he runs uh, what was formerly his dad's restaurant. It's La Grenouille, the, it's French for the frog. It is easily the most legendary restaurant in New York City. He is new lease on life, um, remarried after he, uh, his, his first wife passed away from cancer, mother's children, remarried uh, <laughs> to a coworker. And uh, they run in every night. They seat the entire restaurant. And as soon as everyone is set, they run over and they get a quick little date night in together. And he is uh, as classically trained as it comes. Uh, amazing, amazing person. Love him to, to this day. And then in the kitchen, I've also got um, Tia Keenan, future uh, Wall Street Journal cheese columnist, is, is picking the cheeses on the cheese board that we got there. And then I have... Uh, uh, 
Khalidra Lavisra is the report to our pastry chef, and she is teaching me left and right. Um, she is uh, reporting to Chef Martamon, who's easily the greatest pastry chef, who is still living pastry chef who ever lived. And uh, at the, when I go out at night, I have to pick up my girlfriend at work, and she works at a, a restaurant called Stanton Social, which is run by uh, Chris Santos. He's a chef there, and he's uh, you know he's like Mr. Food Network now. He's on, he, he has that show mm. Chopped. So I've, every single day, I've got this murderer's row of people I see, uh, and I'm like 23 years old, and green as they come, and I get to talk to these people and ask them anything in the world, and they are so generous with their knowledge, and it's because of them that I am where I am today. Mm. Wow. Amazing. That's, yeah, that's quite intense. That's <laughs> yeah. a lot of that's a lot of names. So like yeah. pandemic wise, like I, I, all of us were at home in our home kitchens for the first time of the pandemic, and being like, yeah, like dude, I've never made sourdough bread. I've never, you know, <laughs> never made my own ice cream. And like yeah. some of us are, are watching YouTube videos, and I'm texting these people like, yeah, remember the times we had? <laughs> yeah. You know what's crazy? You know what's crazy? The, you know what the pandemic made me realize? And it was kind of like a blessing and a curse. And I'm not going to lie. I live in California and we're still going, we're still going through this bullshit, man. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's like, it, it, it's like, you know, like I love California, but I also hate it. Right. Because <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like a love hate relationship, man. And, uh, but we're not going to get into that part. I but what you, I'm saying I see, is, I see your videos where you're, you're at the, the you know, you and a couple other California chefs, you're at the farmer's market. I'm like, I, I could walk somewhere and purchase this. Yeah. I would. And then I hear yeah. I'll talk about life. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm not going to lie. Like the fruits and vegetables that I get in California are, are bar like hands down. I've cooked all the way all over the U S this is the best in California. Like, and I hate, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that to be like conceited. It's just like, you know, it's just so readily available. And if you realize all of the produce that pretty much is shipped to the East coast is coming from California, like there's, there's no doubt. And it's crazy, 100%. but uh, what I was going to say is like, man, what I learned in the pandemic is there's so much more to life than just cooking. You know what I'm saying? So I spent, I spent, you know, I spent a better part of my years just strapped to a stove, man, really just grinding <laughs> it out. And it's crazy because like after the, after the, you know, after the uh, COVID hit, it was crazy how much more time I had. And I'm just like, you know what, this is like. And, and, and it's funny because I actually went backwards. So I'm like, oh, you know what? I've never made a, I've never made this type or like, I've never made same, this same, same. instead of like, Years yeah, in instead a restaurant, of, and I was like, yo, how come I don't like, how come I don't know how to make, like, I don't even know. How come I've never made ice cream? <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. yeah. Things, things like that. So you'll notice like some of my content, like it's funny because like I go backwards, right? And so I put the Michelin bullshit aside. I'm like, you know, I want to make biscuits and gravy like the best it can ever be <laughs> i want to make you know i want to make this i want to i need to focus on my bread you know like um you know same thing like you were saying with uh sourdough i was actually linked up with uh sourdough duffy matthew he's the he dude he's a he's amazing he if you don't know him you gotta Unreal. you really awesome. have to introduce yourself yeah i'll have to introduce you but like dude he is the ceo of sourdough man it's crazy but he but it's really funny you said that uh because like i think a hundred percent like when the pandemic hit like I think all of us chefs realize, like, why the fuck are we working so much? Like, for nothing. <laughs> yeah, man. Shit. For nothing. And it's like, you know, it never it never really hit me because, like, as a chef, you, you, you put this badge of honor on. Like, yeah, I work 90 hours this week. And I'm not going to lie. My, wife's, my wife called me out on it one time. I remember I was in Las Vegas and she, like, I was working, like, 95 hours a week, six days a week. And, uh, and, and I remember she's like, I don't under, she's like, I don't, I just don't understand how come you have to be at work for 16 hours out of the day. She's like, I just don't understand. It just doesn't make sense to me. And she's like, how come you have to go in on your day off? And I'm like, cause I need to be mm. there. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the chef de cuisine. I need to be there. And then she's like, 
Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. It's like it's either you're understaffed or you're not managing your time properly. Uh, and I'm like, Ooh. yeah, <laughs> that hurt. That hurt a little bit. Uh. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, God damn. And so then, you know what? It's funny because that was the I'll never forget that day. And uh, and it's funny because, yeah, fast forward here. I'm just like uh, like now it's like it's crazy because I kind of got lucky, man. But I will I will say it's it's uh, it's 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 hard with with COVID and all the governing rules and like. You know, it's it's just it's ridiculous, man. But uh, we so, are so we, so, we are so uh, we're not oh, even back in lockdown over here. So we're fully open, no, but yet. it's freezing cold, and you can eat outside if you want. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, well, it's kind of weird over here, man. You have like, you have to have a mask when you go in anywhere, obviously. And like the, the thing, the, but the thing is, is like, it's just really awkward for for. I don't know how to say it, man, without like offending anybody. I just think people should be able to do what they want and not be restricted by the government. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, hmm. you know, like there's so many businesses, so many good restaurants that had to shut doors because they just can't survive. And it's just like, it's horrible. It's no fault of their own. It's just because, you know, like, it's just ridiculous. But um, Brendan, I want to ask, so you're, you're a chef in the kitchen, right? You were a chef? Uh, I've run my own line. I've had my own menu. Every all that stuff. Yeah, uh, I'm that's out cool, of man. Business long out of the business personally. Yeah. So I I always like to ask what what made you want to take the leap out of the business? Oh, uh, everything. Start. <laughs> yeah, all the like, all, all the above. How can right. I start, yeah. but I can't. Tell, I couldn't tell you this. Uh man, I don't even know. <laughs> Dude, you know what? It's so funny you say that, man. Because like. I totally get that. So let me, let me, uh, you know, uh, and I'm sure, I'm sure Casey will want to hop in on this. I, it opened to it. Okay. The pandemic kind of opened my eyes to how unsustainable the chef life is. Okay. Like, so, so here's the thing, man. Like, I don't know for me, I'll just, I'll just be honest. I stopped running restaurants for other chefs. I stopped. Okay. I'm like, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm not doing this shit anymore. It's that's ridiculous. A key, that's a key element that I would, that I just want to like, if I could start somewhere, I would be start there. I would say, why, why, like, why, why am I giving myself uh, medical problems mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for a business I don't own? That's definitely one. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I always advise young chefs. I'm like, Hey, what type of chef do you want to be? This mm-hmm. is very important because here's a good example. And I'm just going to use myself. Um, it would be very difficult for me um, you know, to go back to run a restaurant for somebody else. But in the it in the same sentence, I'm going to say I've ran and ran enough numbers, especially here in California, and I've built two restaurants uh, for somebody else to know that the profit margins are super slim, right? Mm-hmm. So the realistic, uh, the reality is, is if you're going to be a chef partner or if you're going to be a chef of a restaurant, you need to have somebody that doesn't really care about money and they have at least five to 10 million to dump into this project. I don't care what anybody says. Mm-hmm. They can tell me whatever they want. I've already lived it. I've done it. Um, you know, another good example is <clears throat> I've worked for Wolfgang Puck. I've worked for Daniel Balud. I've worked for Charlie Palmer. You know, all these chefs, they don't have any chefs underneath them that they have helped uh, to fund their restaurant or their venture. Yeah. And I told, I really, really do have a problem with that. I really do. Like TK did it for, you know, wow. did it for Corey Lee. Right. Um, I, I think the thing is, is like, for me, it, it was crazy because it's like, I remember telling, like specifically saying like, 
being held accountable for a profit and loss statement, right? So a, re- a good example, a restaurant makes 14 mil, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, damn, okay, damn, we made profit this year. Okay, this is how much profit we got. This is how much blah, blah, blah. And like, you're being held accountable for this labor, the, the whole P&L, right? But then you realize, man, I only make this much. This is fucking stupid, mm-hmm. right? And here's a good example. I got offered a position at uh, Bellagio and um, this restaurant does 18 million annually, right? Oof. 3.5 million in profit, my guy. 3.5 million in profit. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. I asked for a salary of 150K, right? Or 140K, whatever. I'm just throwing a number out there. And the thing is, is I think that is so worth it, right? At that time, I didn't have the title of executive chef, but I also knew an entertainment lawyer who was like, hey, listen, unless you really want to do this, you're getting fucking screwed. And he's like, let me, he's like, he's like, he's like, let me tell you why. And, and, and so he broke it down for me. He's like, listen, I know you're young and you're hungry and you're passionate, but he's like, it's not worth it. You are going to be strapped in this restaurant. You're going to be doing exactly, you're better off staying where you're at. And he's like, that's just my point of view. And he's like, any other industry, you be, you should get paid at least 500K, 600K, 750K if you are the, the leader in command. And, <laughs> Basically, the offer on the table was 105 plus bonus, and I wanted Ugh. to take I want I, I wanted to take the position, but then you know what? I realized that no, he's right. I'm getting screwed, and so this is my this is the reason why uh, I'm doing what I'm doing now, and I'm just like I don't think I'll ever go back to running a restaurant for somebody else. I think if I were, and I just don't like I I'm not as hungry as I was when I was a young chef to have my own restaurant. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember like fighting my whole life to get to a sous chef position, fighting my whole life to get to a uh, executive sous position, fighting my whole life to get into his executive chef position. And then once I got there, I'm just like, dude, I'm not, I don't want this anymore. Like I'm not cooking anymore. I love to be a chef, but I I know you can feel what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah. How did you, how did you get Part two of your question was, it was how you got into content creating. So what was your story there? Oh, that's easy. So I've always had a niche for like, you know, keep creating content like uh, and I'll be honest, I'm just going to tell myself I started a YouTube channel back in 2011 mm-hmm. and I never posted. I never did anything. I just focused on instead of focusing on myself and what I wanted to do. I just never did anything. Right. And uh, I remember I when uh, when it was cool to take videos and like, sh- you know, short videos like 2015 was when it became acceptable to like shoot video on the line and not get fucking absolutely demolished. <laughs> <laughs> right, Casey. Hey, and so I remember, I mean, I, you know, I sta- yeah, I started a, I started up my YouTube channel again and I got shut down from my boss at work for working really? with Wolfgang Puck. Yes. Shut down. Ooh. Yeah, and it was Wolfgang horrible. It was Puck horrible. Sixty-five thousand no. followers, you mean? No, yeah, not 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 Wolfgang himself, not Wolfgang himself, but uh, his uh, you know one of HR. his top guys. Yeah, one of his no 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 what his culinary director right was like uh, you know uh, you know pretty much CEO. came you know came at me like you know you're a leader in this in this company you shouldn't be doing a YouTube channel. But then but like now if I could go back I would I didn't know then but if I could go back I would have you know literally fucking. Ate his, ate his heart out, right? Like I would have <laughs> mm-hmm. fucking crushed his soul because at the end of the day, and this is for all my chefs out here, there is the deal on the line. You get paid, whether you're salary hourly, I don't care. You get paid for 40 hours a week. You know, you should be flexible within eight to nine hours of that 40 hours, right? To be able to flex with your schedule, meetings or covering shifts or whatever. But after that, that's fucking it, man. 70, 80, 90 mm-hmm. hours a week is absolutely fucking ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. And I am, I am, 
uh, a slave to that as well, because that's how we grew up in this industry. We're like, oh yeah, I worked 90 hours this week. I worked 18 hours last yesterday. And then I used to like expect that same policy out of my sous chefs and, you know, line cooks were yeah, off the hook because they, they work hourly, right? We don't want to get overtime, so we <laughs> cover their shift. Anyway, I'm not gonna get into that. But uh, so then, then literally uh, about a year and a half ago, I decided to go all in on TikTok, right? Um, if it wasn't for Gary Vee, I don't think I would have uh, listened to him. But in all honesty, I'm still figuring out as a content creator, I, I do have to be honest, I, I just went all in and I promised myself I was gonna post every single fucking day for like, uh, I think it was like uh, uh, 60 days or something like that. <laughs> but anyway, I got I got fed up around like uh, day 40 and uh, I was like, okay, well, you know, what? let me just post, let me just post a video today. I didn't have any content like in the bag. And I literally, I'm at work. I, um, I go in the bathroom and I'm, I duet a video, a steak video, right. In my chef whites. And, um, this is, I'm like, you know what, let me just do a duet. This, you know, they have this feature. Let me just do this duet. So I did like the chef authorized duet and the video goes viral. First video. Like, <laughs> and I was so pissed and happy at the same time. <laughs> Because it was a selfie video that took me 30 seconds to record. It was grainy. The light was yellow. It was a shit video that actually popped off. And um, that was how Chef Authorized started. But I have to be honest, um, I did that for a while. I did that for a couple months. But the problem is, is people wanted me to be like Ramsey. And they want me to like mm. crush people's soul. And and I have to be honest, I'm yeah. just not like that. I'm just not like that. Like I will, I will, I will like correct somebody, but in the most positive way. Because the thing is, is like, and I don't know if you know Gordon Ramsey history, but uh, I'll, I'll end this. I'll uh, end with this. So it doesn't feel like I'm talking too much, but. I know Gordon. I know Gordon Ramsay as the the person, you know, the chef that has three Michelin stars, has multiple Michelin stars, has worked with Marco Pierre White. You know, he's a force in the industry. Everybody else in his legacy, unfortunately, is crushing people's soul on TV. And mm. that's not what type of person he is, man. I know. I you know what I'm saying. I met yeah. him once. He yeah, he did get wild in the kitchen, but like his legacy is so much more than what uh, is on the outside and what people see. And yeah, even even Anthony Bourdain was like. It was like Gordon Ramsay had this great TV show in the UK that was actually like educating people. And he, yeah. when he brought mm -hmm. it to the US, he was just like, I'm a, I'm a clown. Okay, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's become, yeah, unfortunately he has become. Have you ever seen like a teenager on TikTok who like clearly is like trying to learn to cook in the parents' kitchen and they act like Gordon Ramsay and not like yeah. the 300 people we would recommend them? Yeah. Or people making dishes for him to clown. And, uh, I think that's why, I think that's what we got away from. And I try to, I try to tell people like, listen, you can do whatever you want, but like, let's, let's chill out with the stunt food. If you want to be a chef, if you want to, if you yes. want to become a chef, like let's chill out with the, with the stunt food, right? You're not no chef on this earth is going to take 17 pieces of American cheese and bread them and then deep fry them <laughs> and serve it with marinara sauce. Like it's just people love the shit on the internet. And it's like, I, I stray away. Like. I mean, uh, you know, it's, but I did, I'm not going to lie. I did make some like uh, fried macaroni and cheese bites that were tossed <laughs> in, uh, in it, like that were garnished with uh, hot Cheetos, you know, just, just for shits and giggles. And actually they were delicious. But um, <laughs> I think that's, I think that's really important. Um, but uh, yeah, Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. I just, I don't want to be associated Gordon with him. Ramsay. I don't want him. I don't want to have that legacy. So I barely I do. Be associated. I, yeah. I barely do the duets anymore, but I'll, I'm going to start, I'm going to pick it back up because I, I think it's important to some people don't like to hear constructive criticism, but ultimately when I was a young cook and I worked in a diner, no, like 
I would ask questions like, hey, is this how I do this? And people would just blow me off. They wouldn't pay attention. And then it wasn't until I worked in a Michelin star restaurant where, man, if you didn't do something right, bro, you were getting fucking laid down. Like, and it was horrible. It was horrible. But I was like, you know what? Thank you for showing me the right way to do it. Like, yes, my feelings are hurt, but. <laughs> <laughs> the only real can, part. But this is how we do it. Competition shows like the realest part to me is that. Um, like us um, among thieves, we're like, yo, can I see, yo, I learned the coolest thing the other day. And dude, I'm, I'm 39 and I did this for the first time, right? We do that. But when you are in a kitchen in, in the system, when you are being picked over, looked over 80 hours a week, oh, I did 85. That's when the, the chef competition happens. That's when it's like, what, why are you getting yeah. pushed up the line and I'm still, you know, on garbage day? Like that's the real yeah. competition. Yeah. It's stupid. It's all in it service is. of that PNL that we don't get a piece of. Not zero. And so it's it's funny because like I always uh I always tell myself like yeah but anyway, I don't want to dig back that. But okay, let's hold on because I know you have you have a book. I, I did a little research on you, but you've had a lot of things that you, that have happened in your life, you know, like uh working with Lady Quite Gaga. A lot. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, my life sounds quite, made up. I get it. I, I do. No, no, but you know what? I think <laughs> my son's made up. No, honestly, hey, I... Can I just say this first? Before yeah, I, go I ahead, will go talk ahead, about this yes, thing, yes. but I have to share. This is my yeah. book. This was a book I wrote in 20, uh, almost 10 years ago. It came out in 2013. Wow. And uh-huh. it was absolutely slept on, looked over everything. We're going into a new printing right now because of TikTok, because I tell stories and I make food on TikTok. And it's yeah. finding a whole new audience. Mm. It has a whole new publisher. It came out in HarperCollins in 2013. And now it's at Willem Mori- Willem. Moral at Day Street over that's here. Amazing. So it's Dude, amazing. That's pretty damn what cool. What this platform can do. Yeah. I'm Congratulations. Really it's called Rivington Bazaars. Just look it up on it's on all platforms. It's everywhere. And I've never done an audiobook. Maybe we'll do that this year. You should. You should for sure. But I just want to commend you on um, you know, like streams, right? Different streams of things that you're interested in. Because a lot of uh, you know, me included, like I just realized in the last year that, you know, cooking isn't everything for me, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's not. I actually like to fish. I like to create content. I like to play with my kids. I like to do this. <laughs> and there was a, there was from age 22 to 27, there was nothing else I was doing except for cooking seven days a week. And that was it. And now, don't get me wrong. I'm not mad about it because my skill level is very good, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. at the same time, and I'm sure Casey, you can agree with this, you know, like, you know, Casey loves to make ramen. He does a fucking a fantastic job at it. You know what I'm saying? But right. like when you're strapped in a corporate, you know, corporate, uh, you know, restaurant it's very difficult to work on your side passion, you know, or your side hustle. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I, I love to see it, man. I love to see it that you were a chef that you, you know, you worked with Lady Gaga, you were doing a DJ. I think that's awesome. Now you have a, you, you're redoing your book because of TikTok where people sleep on TikTok. <laughs> exactly. You know? mm-hmm. And I'm laughing, I'm laughing. Cause I'm, I'm, I tell cooks nowadays, I'm like, if you have 10 K followers, you can make money. You can, wow. you can make money on TikTok. And let me tell you something. You need a thousand to go live and you can receive gifts. Now don't get me wrong. TikTok takes half and you can't ask for the gift. But at the same time, it's it's worth it if you're a cook that makes minimum wage and you, you can supplement on this mm-hmm. platform. Mm-hmm. You know where it flipped for me? I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you, sir. I'm, I, I'm in TikTok brain. It's happening. I'm like, can I do this in 15 seconds? No. All right. Let's enjoy ourselves. All right. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So I got it right here. Michelin Guide 2006. Five of these yeah. are my places. All right. These are my people, my four bearers. All right. These are, I love these people. 
on the way into this job interview, I'm walking into the subway. I'm new in New York City. And uh, this uh, it's a woman panhandling. And she says to me, uh, if you've seen some of my biggest TikToks, it's, it's about the unhoused and homeless people in New York City. She's like, yo, can you spare any change so I can get some Chinese food? Blah, blah, blah. We end up, I'm just so touched for, for this moment because I'm walking in there and I was like, sorry, yo, I don't have any money. And she says, you better not because I've asked you every single day this week. And you've said no. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> you know, when you're, 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 you're beating the pavement with your resume, you're like, does anybody understand that my phone can receive calls. Does anybody know that I'm here? I'm here in New York City and no one has noticed so far. Yes. So long story long, uh, she wishes me good luck and I, I make her a deal. I say like, yo, if I get this job, I'm, I'm, I'm taking you out for Chinese food the, the first night, you know, that I get a paycheck. Uh, I go in and I have this big smile on my face in my new job and, and, and they're like, yo, you're hired. Do you want to work today? And I'm like, let's go, let's go. We're crushing it. Nice. Nice. We're going. Go home, paycheck sitting on the curb with this woman who was panhandling on Monday. And I'm like, we are getting Chinese food tonight. You and me, let's go. She takes me to this disgusting place with bulletproof glass in the front of the cash register in the neighborhood. And, and they're like, Jackie, who's your new friend here? And they're like, she's like, this is my friend, Brendan. He's my new friend. He's new around here. Everybody say hi. Having a great time. When she was able to get off the streets in 2012, there was a new program, Supportive Housing, uh, you could get like this, basically a hotel room kind of apartment, you know, um, hot plate stove, uh, your own bathroom and shower. The, the bed is drilled into the floor. You know, it's permanent, but it's supportive. Nice. And her caseworker is going to have an office downstairs, brand new building, doorman, everything. Um, she was like, I don't want to move in yet because I'd honestly rather sleep on the streets than be in an empty apartment and sleep on this plastic mattress. I don't have sheets. I don't have anything. And I was like, OK, so oh, wow. we'll figure it out. And uh, I had, uh, I wasn't, what was it? Oh, it's just, it was just more than I could do financially at the time. Yeah. And it was so hard to like say no to someone when you've seen them go literally from sleeping on a milk crate, three milk crates in a row, to sleeping on three milk crates to now she has her own apartment. So there was, I had friends who were in film and they were funding their own projects on like a, a proto Kickstarter at the time. And I was like, I want to make a film of, of, of taking her off the streets. Like, I want to fund something, crowdfunding, like y'all can. So how do I do it? And someone put, sent me up to Splatform. I think it was called Indiegogo. Mm. And <clears throat> so I make this whole campaign, doing this whole thing. And uh, I, uh, I've set it up and I've written her story out. I've done all the things that are to the limits of my ability as a creator. Like, I, I've, I've taken a picture. I've written the story, all this stuff. And uh, and it took a long time. And the last step is they said, okay, now upload a video or a link to a YouTube before it can go live. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not that guy. Like I don't, I'm not a, an actual filmmaker. I'm not, I'm not here showing you uh, the trailer for the movie I'd make if you would fund it for me. I'm saying like, yo, this is a human being on planet Earth. Like, can't we just go with it? So uh, I. Uh, I uh, Facebook messaged Casey Neistat, the YouTuber, who had oh, done a wow. lot of... Uh, Casey had an office at 368 Broadway, which is where the whole New York film community, all the guys who were telling me how to do this project, where they all work. That's their office, that's their artist studio, etc. 
Um, a lot of them started working for an, uh, an artist, a conceptual artist named Tom Scott, who is, if you've seen Casey Neistat's like Sharpie, drawn, handmade, everything, it all comes from Tom Scott, a very famous artist who's just one generation above us. Uh, just had a show at the Brooklyn Museum. So um, I was like, yo, Casey, what? I have to upload a video and I'm not, I'm not that guy, man. Can you help me out? And he literally just sent me the nicest email. And he's like, you're gonna go out and you're gonna buy this camera. You're gonna return, if it's too much for you to do it, you're gonna put it on a credit card and you're gonna return it when you're done, okay? It's, you're gonna get a Canon <laughs> S100, no microphone, no anything, there's no screen. You point it where you think it's gonna go. Tell it, walking me through it, loved it. Made the fundraising video. Can you please help me? This is my friend, Jackie. She wished me good luck on my first day at work when I got laid off during the recession and I told her I couldn't help her anymore. She was at my front door hour and a half later with a sack of groceries. And she just said, you eat this food, you go to bed, tomorrow you get up, you're gonna look for work, you're gonna be fine. Love her to death, I do. Wow. Um, published this video telling that story. Immediately goes viral, the, that day, that day. Oh. I'm standing there and I have a donation coming in from Iceland, South Africa, India. I have, I go from having not enough in my bank account to take out money at the ATM to uh, I've got a budget of $6,000 to repay that woman who was so kind to me on my first day of work. That's amazing. Wow. And I kept the camera. <laughs> I started making stuff. I didn't, that was 2012. Uh, I, I did, tried YouTube for a while, I did. And I, uh, Casey Neistat is just such a feature that like, if I'm clean shaven, uh, people are like, dude, you look just like Casey Neistat. And I'm like, no joke, because yeah. I have his camera. I have his <laughs> tripod. I've got, you know, like, I don't know how to do this stuff and I do everything he tells me to, you know. Start, finally start making content on my own. Absolutely slept on it. Probably, probably, I'm, I'm not just like gave up, but just stopped uploading somewhere 2016, 17, 18. Uh, mm. TikTok comes out under the app Musically. Um, I park yeah. my regular Instagram handle and uh, nothing happens there. I'm, I'm still in the mode of like, I don't get this. What I'm, I'm 30 years old. Why would I be lip syncing videos? Don't get it. Dude, same, same. <laughs> I uh, yes. go to, uh, I parked uh, pizzas, the, the name I did at the time, because I was out of the kitchen probably for the first time in a long time. And uh, somewhere in there, I toured with Lady Gaga. I did a lot of other stuff. I was in music videos and it was great. Mm. Um, for... Uh, someone told me like, oh, TikTok's all about your niche. And I was like, you know what? Through all my life, the things I've done, when was I the happiest? Like I was nothing but stressed out being, being in a kitchen and when I was younger. And I was like, yo, when I was a kid, my parents worked nights. No one was going to come make dinner for Brendan. And I got a job at a pizza place, just a strip mall pizza place in the suburbs. And uh, I worked, I sincerely don't know this man's name. We called him boss. Boss, you got this? Boss, you want this? His wife was, we called boss's wife and boss's wife was there. And uh, the only thing was uh, when it slowed down, um, if I started doing side work, he would point to this back table and he would go and his wife would come in and she would say, uh, no, 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 you're, you're not here. You, when it's, we, we can work, but you sit there. You do your homework, you go to school, you become doctor or lawyer, okay? <laughs> but he's the man who taught me, pounding out pizzas, tossing, we were making hand-tossed pizzas and stuff. And I was so happy there 
to go home, to know that you are the latchkey kid going home to an empty home at night in, in the suburbs. It's dark and it's cold and uh, you're going to throw, uh, you know, whatever. I don't even know what the, it's not even Trader Joe's. You're going to throw Stop and Shop brand cold pasta sauce on some noodles or you're going to go to work and have this like this this chosen family of people there. And so I started making pizzas on TikTok, parked it, didn't get it for the longest time, parked it and probably didn't upload for over a year. And maybe like six months ago, I was like, you know what? I'm enjoying this. What did I enjoy most in life? I enjoyed, I, I had a blast making pizza after school. And that video I made about Jackie, there was something in there that was better than what I was doing. There was something in there where I was like, this is not work to me anymore. This is, this is, this is, so I'm building something for myself. I don't know what it is yet, but let's go find that rather than uh, make money for other people. You know? Amen. Mm. Dude, amen to that. We all don't know. We, we, we might act like we know what the, what we want to do, but we don't, we just have to, <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, man, I, I find so, and I don't know about you, Casey, t- but I, I find so much joy into trying a bunch of different things. Mm. A bunch of things. What about you, Casey? I, I find joy in trolling other people's comments. That's my main source of joy on the internet. Because, okay, I, I mentioned this to you. Um, so my former Sue, Sean, I was explaining to me, because he notices, like, Case, I think you're getting a little little rowdy on your comments. I'm like, Sean, but I'm treating it like as if it were our kitchen. Yeah. So we had this thing in our kitchen where we put a little, like, coins, whoever got the best joke out of the day. So it'd be like, out of the whole week, Whoever wins that week, they get to take the jar. So it could be like 20, 30 bucks or whatever. I'm treating it like that. He's like, yeah, but case that's the internet. <laughs> yeah. You know I'm like, you know I know so it's funny? even more people. So, so, so pizzas were yin and yang. Do you mind if I call you by your handle? I like calling people by their handle. Go for it. Is that okay? Okay. Okay. Um, so we're like yin and yang when it comes to TikTok. He responds to every single freaking <laughs> hate comment. But the thing is, is honestly, he's smart because he picks the ones that are indisputable that where I know he's right as well. Like, and it's unfortunate because some of these, some of these young kids, they, you know, they learn how to cut something or chop something. All of a sudden they're a chef now. You know what I mean? Like they, Mm. you know, and it's funny because like, I'm not gonna lie, Casey, you eat them alive, man. Like, but I, (laughs) I don't respond. I I literally skip right over it. I don't even give the benefit of the doubt of hate comments because I get, I get quite a few. But uh, for me, mm. it's funny because, like, I just see how Casey just, you know, he responds to every single one. It's hilarious. I have a question for the, for the other two creators here. Uh, if you could choose going viral or just having the same views every single day, which would you choose? Ooh. No, same views every day. No, I hate viral Same videos. views every I, day. Listen, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Like, uh, I w- there was a part of my life, and there still is, where I know, like, honestly, I will plan out the videos to drive traffic. And um, sorry, you can hear my kids in the background. It's okay. I got to take a walk. So keep going. Yeah, go ahead. So, um, you know, I will plan out videos that I know will pop off and build some traffic. But honestly, dude, I stay away from viral videos. And and here's the thing. I know Mm. it's counterintuitive. But the thing is, is when you get a viral video, you end up getting people in your community that just don't belong, right? They're not there to support you. They're not there to be, you know, to, to follow your journey. And and look at when you post a video and unfortunately it is what it is but here's the thing you can go super viral with some dumb shit like some <laughs> dumb like dumb shit and it's and, and i have removed i had a i had an omelet video that went super super crazy viral but it was kind of negative and uh i ended up taking it down because it was just like 
dude, it was just bringing on too many nasty people, man. I'm just like, fuck it. Boom. Pulled it. Mm. Pulled, there was two of them back to back. Like one was at like uh, 10 mil. Like it was crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just I pulled it, man. It's not worth it. And, but uh, yeah. all the comments, Brandon, that you could have been like, yeah. boom, you know what I'm saying? Like, but yeah. I, I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. I had to like, tone it down ever did, so but slightly. Like, if, you, if you're up, if you're up and coming and you're like, you, you know, if you're a creator that's up and coming and uh, you're not, com- you're not hundred percent confident in your, your video skills, then it's good to have a, like, if you have a couple of videos pop off, then what I recommend for anybody who's out there, like if you have under a thousand followers or under a 10,000 followers, then just, you need to piggyback off of that. Like, right. Casey, right. Don't you agree? Mm. Like Casey had a viral video and no, I'm no, like, yo, I did reply, it. reply to every comment with yeah. the video. Every comment. He Double just never down. stopped. He just oh. never stopped. My guy literally freaking, I just you know, stop he, doing it. Yeah, but he likes it. Like, dude, you see it like when he, when he pulls it. up he pulls up a negative comment and you see him smile like this and he's like, Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, I, I I um I just really focus on um I'm really focusing on building the chef authorized brand. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Mm-hmm. But I really find joy what I find joy in, in in content creation is really helping out the younger generation of chef. Um and the reason why I say that is because I think it's uh, my time to like pass on my knowledge and expertise in the actual field of um, you know culinary arts, man. It's like I don't want people to have to do what I have to do, what I did, and uh, I feel like I'm, I you know, that is my place in the world is helping this younger generation of chefs. You know, mm-hmm. I actually uh, don't know this a ton. Um, <clears throat> Casey and I've done a live together where I got to be like, yeah, where where are you working? Where have you worked? All this stuff. Uh, can you chef authorize? Can you give us your, yeah. uh, yeah. So, so my, my, yeah, my work is a, well, right now it's super confidential, but I work for a tech company as a chef, as an executive chef for, uh, here in Silicon Valley. Okay. And so, and I'm not going to lie. But my, I mean, like, um, when, when you were a kid, Oh, you, where you, did I work? You, you, you're clearly a bright kid and everything. Oh. At some point you were like, I'm, I'm, you know, oh. I've got a passion for this and I figured it out. Oh, okay. So basically, Oh, you're talking about when I started cooking. Oh, yeah, how I see, oh, this is easy. I've yeah. seen you two so, alive about, so, about this before, but yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, hear. yeah, yeah. So, so basically, when I was like, um, when I was young, I was like 13, 14. Um, I used to visit my father on the weekends, and he was a bartender slash manager. And um, I was so intrigued. You know, when you're young, you just sit in the restaurant. But like, yeah. I was so intrigued by the cooks, like the fire, them screaming at each other. I was like, damn, that looks like crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I started as a busboy, then was washing dishes, and then one time a uh, one of the prep cooks didn't show up and uh he was working the fryer station that that night and i'm like and i remember i jumped right in i'm like hey i can do this like when you're a cook when you're a lead cook you don't want to work the fryer like let's, just, <laughs> let's face it mm. and i was so happy to do it man i was so happy to do it and then i remember i just got hooked man i just got hooked and i'm like i remember telling my my family and my father like hey i want to be a chef and they like kind of laughed they're like yeah okay whatever like this is just a summer job like chill out and then then it was real really serious when i was 16 I remember saying, like, I missed homecoming so I could work the line on a Saturday night. I missed, <laughs> wow. I missed homecoming to pick up a shift. And, like, yeah. the general well, manager of the restaurant was like, what are you doing? This is your homecoming. You already have your suit? I'm like, yeah, but fuck that. I don't want to do that. I want to do this. And um, and, it, and it was it was crazy. But it ended up working out. It was – the only thing I will say is I worked at a diner. This was a diner. It was called Dax Grill. It was in uh, Northern Virginia. And uh, unfortunately, I learned a lot of bad things there, like mm. of, like shortcuts and short mm, order cooking. Shortcuts. 
then the worst part about it is I went to Macaroni Grill after that, right? So <laughs> another shit storm of learning. And um, <laughs> then, yeah, listen, bro, fucking shit storm. And then finally, I landed in a steakhouse, which uh, the two chefs that ran it, Willie and Ray, listen, if you're out there, I love you. I really do. They both graduated CIA and they were real chefs. They made all the five mother sauces. They know how to season. They know how to butcher. They know how to do all the the basics of becoming a chef. And they really taught me how to cook wow. properly. And I absorbed so much from 17 to 18. Then I realized I needed to go to culinary school. And um, even though back in the day, it was very important to have a culinary degree. Now I would say it's irrelevant. Don't waste your time. Yeah, you don't <laughs> and, need uh, it. I, and I'm not going to get into it with it with it, uh, fighting with anybody. I, I'm not saying don't go to school, but I'm just saying it, you don't. There's zero ROI. The return on investment mm -hmm. is non-existent, mm -hmm. especially since your second choice is go to work and get paid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Listen, Take the worst you can, job at a restaurant. You, You're you don't up. need. And, and especially right now, I would tell everybody: don't dare waste your money at culinary school. You can walk into any restaurant right now and get a line cooking job. They are looking for warm yeah. bodies. Mm -hmm. If you have a heart, 100%. if you have a heartbeat, if you had, they don't, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I have never in my whole life have seen a sign-on bonus for a fucking cook. Okay? <laughs> yeah, man. Get the fuck out of here. So much right now. Bro, I bro, swear to so God. Much. I swear to God. You want to be a cook in San Francisco right now? No problem, bro. They got people paying for Ubers, for your transportation. The companies are bending because they need that mm. workforce. But anyway, so I went, so I ended up, uh, to make a long story short, I ended up going to the Florida, Florida Culinary Institute. Um, I already cool. knew how to cook when I went in there. Mm -hmm. I just needed to get the paper. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it was crazy because I just blew through culinary school. Like I, 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 I should have dropped out when I had the chance. I dropped out, but then I went back because I was already going to pay for it. Um, and so uh, I actually went for the dual associates for culinary and also baking and pastry. So uh, there yeah. There you go. Flex. Yeah, and, and Flex, I am not, bro. it's rare to I'm, be a five tool player, and and I don't know why people skip on this. That's why I wanted to make sure I, I shouted out all five of my 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 influences coming up because I had I had a chef who was putting himself through the master court of sommeliers because he was like, I got to know this stuff. Yeah. It's stupid that I don't. So that's that's I I wish there was more push for that. Like not yeah. So yeah. So it's funny because uh, I yeah I um the best decision I ever made was being well-rounded, especially in culinary and pastry, uh, baking and pastry. Because when I actually worked at Alinea, um, I was working a station, a savory station and the, the chocolate guy didn't show up and I don't blame him because he was just, there was so much work. It was just absolutely fucking ridiculous. Like there was no way he could complete this. Anyway, the, uh, what, uh, the chef was like, Hey, it's either we all chip in or somebody sacrifices on their station to do the dessert station. He's like, so what's it going to be? Then everybody else was little bitches, right? They were just like, yeah. They, they, and you they, was and like, I, I'll do it. I shot my hand up. I shot my hand up because I knew, I knew working in pastry, like pastries don't start in a fine dining restaurant until 730. So I had three, I had two and a half hours to get this station up, locked and loaded. And, and I remember I, you know, he's like, and then I remember the chef looked at me. He's like, you know how to temper chocolate? He's like, are you sure chef? And I'm like, bitch, I'm trying to help you. And you're fucking cursing me out right now. <laughs> like, yo, and I, I remember thinking this cause he, he was trying to like belittle me. You know, he's like, you know how to temper chocolate? Yeah, are you sure? I was like, yeah, honestly, chef, I do. And I would never put it in the sous vide bag. And he's like, well, that's how we do it. So anyway, at Linea, we put double sous vide bag and that's how we melted the chocolate. And I thought it was the dumbest shit ever but it was genius that but is it was dumb the, it is the dumbest shit ever because once one drop of water no, gets into gross, that chocolate gets in there. that's it <laughs> out dog that's Seize. it that's it's done it's done 
And uh, but anyway, I followed the rules. And then it was funny because uh, when I started working the station, then I started tempering chocolate like a like a normal, normal pastry chef. And uh, I got called out for it. He's like, why isn't it in the sous vide bag? And I'm like, because, chef, that is dumb. It doesn't make any sense. And then he, he we go toe to toe. And uh, it was anyway going down the rabbit hole. But <laughs> I think that was one. That was one of the best decisions I ever made because when I became a sous chef and a chef and like the pastry station would go down or if there were some issues with the, with anything, I knew how to troubleshoot. And this, mm. this made me very valuable. Um, you know, in my current yeah. role, in my current role, I was tasked uh, right now with a uh, creating a micro bakery. Um, and, you know, boom, easy. Right easy away. For me, you know it. Right. Right. And it's and it's crazy because like, here's another thing. And this video is going to come out soon. But I uh, I see uh, all this panettone, right. All this panettone coming out. Mm -hmm. Never made it before. Never made it before. So I went down the rabbit hole uh -huh. and uh, it, dude, it's the hardest bread to make. But because I have that basic knowledge of what to look for and, you know, I was able to execute it. And uh, it was really, really awesome. I, but I'm not going to lie. Uh, the CEO of sourdough literally held my hand through the process. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody should go, go follow Duffy though. He's he's yeah. a fucking G. Like he really is. He is. I wish so I wish I found him sooner. Yeah. Cause like I, I've made Panettone before and it's No, 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 he's got it locked in. He's been doing it for the last three mm. years and he has yeah, the yeah. technique down. Uh Sourdough yeah, Duffy, the CEO. The CEO, Matthew Duffy, he is the I'll shout him out all day, all long. When uh, I was doing my sourdough projects, I came across him and uh, you know, he's guided me in the right direction. He has a, a, an amazing background. I'm talking about like Michelin star background, but uh, kind of in the same boat that all of us other chefs are, you know, it's like, you know, it, you know, it's crazy because I, I highly recommend if you're a chef out there, right? Carm, uh, com uh, compartmentalize your life and audit your time, right? So if you like, oh, listen, yeah. you deserve to have two days off. You, the, the company yeah, does 100%. The, the, the company pays you for a 40 hour work week. That is what is on the paper. That mm. is what is on the paper. If you're working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, you need to reevaluate that job. <laughs> Seriously. And I hate to say it because I was the chef that made you grind. And I really take that back because I know I, I probably ruined some people's life and I feel horrible. Like, especially, especially working in a, like, especially some of my sous chefs, like, it's crazy, man. But nowadays you can't get away with that shit, man. You cannot get away with that shit. Even at my yeah, current job. Quick listen, question. Even my, even, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Casey. Sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, Brendan, um, how do you feel about staging? Because like I, I mentioned it to you before, oh, right? you, yeah, since you work in a city, this. since you live in a city, um, in, in my heyday, when I say heyday, like 24, 25, uh, this is 06, <laughs> 07, 08. Um, I was staging in Michelin star restaurants because uh, corporate corporate is boring. Mm -hmm. Let's just let's just get let's just get. I get a crazy bag, but it's boring. I'm just managing numbers. Mm -hmm. I'm barely cooking. I'm I'm literally in charge of like four stores, and I'm just like, okay, how do what do I get to cook? They're like, well, we got to. But anyway, needless to say, I was staging, and I found so much joy just going to another restaurant, be just fucking cooking shit. Have you have you done any kind of staging or uh, any? Favorite restaurants that you had? I, am I know late. you have some stars on you, but like, yeah, I'm late to to the stash game. Um, but you know what's? Mm. So I'm, I'm writing a new book called called American Kitchen about cooking, and I was encouraged by a chef I worked for a long time ago, to, who just said like, uh, you know, you know how a kitchen is organized. Why aren't you like? Why don't you think of how to like how to cook? Is like how to work each station. So work your way through that. So for the past. 
for the whole pandemic, I've been finding places that are where you would not normally do a stage and uh, doing mm. them and loving them and having a blast doing nice. them. You'll see me make yeah. a slider at a diner in Jersey City called White Mana Diner, which is very emotionally Amazing. connected to to my story in a, in a great way. So I just went in there and I called the owner. I wrote him, hand wrote him a note. He, he pinned it to a bulletin board and ignored it for two months. And then one day I got a call and he says, hey, uh, I saw this number and I, I keep forgetting to call, but uh, what did you want to do? And I was like, I want to learn how to make a burger. I want to come to hang out with you. I want you to show me around, make a burger. He's like, why would you care about this diner in New Jersey? And I was like, dude, this diner is an American icon and I want to cook in an icon right now. <laughs> That's amazing. That's great, dude. The, uh, That's amazing. You the chef, so my, my middle of my five tool player, Charles Misson. So this, this diner was uh, a grill that was used at the 1939 World's Fair in Queens. And it was just, uh, you know, like, like you go to Disney World and there's a little, little kiosk for you to get something to eat. It was that, you know. And uh, my Charles, uh, father figure in my life, uh, um, and his kids are my age and he didn't want to push them into the culinary world. So I absolutely benefited from being like, I care. Like, talk, talk, tell me everything you know. So mm. his dad in 1939 came over to be a chef, uh, a waiter, actually, at uh, the World's Fair in Queens. At the time, the Nazis on the rise. Uh, this is like, this sounds like a movie, I know. The Nazis are on the rise, and the French can't start building up their military because it'll, it'll like, violate the, the Treaty of Versailles. So they come to the U.S., and so while they're, the Nazis are on the rise and they're boxing up all the art in the, the museums, they are breaking over their wine cellars to keep it from the Nazis when they invade. They know it's going to happen. And they send all of their best chefs, cooks, busboys, everybody to the 1939 World's Fair in Queens. And their mission is to get the Americans on their side. They are like, there, it is dining diplomacy level 1,000 right there. So this this uh, Charles's father was there, and the chef uh, of the fry, the fish cook at the operation is soon to be the world's first TV chef, Pierre Franny, my man, my Ooh. my my guy, who is mm. about to become the chef of uh, 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 he's uh, he's about to become basically Jacques Pepin's first chef in the U.S. when they're at uh, Pavillon, oh, wow. the restaurant. Wow. And of the, of the people who stayed during World War II, they stayed before Pearl Harbor. They stayed, they opened a restaurant because that's the only thing they knew how to do. But what they really did was they kept cooking alive while every other 18 to 24-year-old man in France was just fought cannon fodder and being in mm. Nazi work camps and sent to the front lines. Uh, these guys were doing what they do and they came to the United States, men and women, and they opened a restaurant together. And then uh, when, uh, when World War II breaks out, uh, the General MacArthur offers all of them the position. They're like, you can sign up for the U.S. Army, but you're going to be my private chef and you're going to go to the Pacific. And they're like, we didn't come here <laughs> to go cook dinner for some, you know, for some prima donna American general, okay? <clears throat> We're here to <throat> fight for our country, no. And they all signed up. They didn't have to be drafted, but they all signed up to run the mission that was gonna go liberate Paris. So Pierre Freny, cook, brilliant guy, TV presenter, literally is liberated, goes to the liberation of Paris, looks at a map, and the map, by the way, 
this, like I have chills at this moment. The map is the Michelin Guide to France. The Michelin Guide at that time created wow. the best maps in the world so that the U.S. Army has the Michelin Guide in their pockets going like, okay, so we're in Versailles, we're gonna go over the hill. And he looks at this map and he realizes that his mother is in the next town over. And he just says to his commander, he's like, I need a Jeep, uh, I need uh, two guys, and we're gonna go, I'm liberating my own hometown today. Do you understand? And they're like, no, that is not the mission. You're going to get court-martialed if you do this. And he's like, I'm taking the Jeep. You're either giving me the Jeep or I'm taking it. So he hasn't seen his family since before the war. And he was, you know, there was no, you know, he couldn't call him. (laughs) So he comes into town and his mother runs into the street. She has a handmade, maybe I can get the graphic. She has a handmade uh, American flag for her liberator that she comes in she runs into the street to give it to her liberators and she doesn't realize that the handsome guy in the 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 u.s army uniform is her own son (laughs) wow wow (laughs) so that that's deep dude those are those are my full circle so look, I'm going to I'm going to say something a little controversial, but I think this is definitely worth a conversation. And uh, because we kind of grew up, we're all in the same age range. What do you think about the Michelin Guide in 2021 and 2022? Does no. it hold as much weight as it did 10 years ago when we were chefs? Let me let me let me give you three things. I, I definitely got a New York Times starred review, was proud of it, very proud of it because it was given directly to my team and, and passed over maybe a, a, a higher level, the dining room team, the finer diner, you know, the, mm. the prefix menu. Who cares what the New York Times says? You know, <laughs> we don't live in a yeah. world where my last, my last menu that I controlled was number one on TripAdvisor, where it was. And I was like, that's, that's like my star now. That's it. Like people who spent their money care about this place and loved it and had a great time. And I'm like, that's, that's my guide. Now there is no Michelin guide to, um, L who doesn't have, I don't think there's one in, there's not one in LA anymore. Is there, I think they started one. Yeah, and so yeah, I think they, they keep on dipping back and going back. They like the Michelin guide is there. They got stars last year, but let's be honest. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. Uh, you know, the pandemic kind of changed my perception on, the Michelin guide, right? There's so many, yeah. there's so many rest. Okay. I'm just going to say it and I'm not going to be disrespectful with Michelin because I truly believe there was a point in my career where all I cared about was Michelin stars, especially three Michelin stars. Right. And imagine, um, imagine explaining to someone else at the top of their game, like, so listen, yeah, I'm killing it. But, um, this tire company, they, they disagreed. With yeah. Me. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, dude. <laughs> But I, I, I'm going to be honest. I think I'm going to, and this is, I'm going to pay devil's avocado here because I think the Michelin guide is great for the restaurant industry. And I think especially from 2000, 2003, 2004, all the way to 2011, mm. 2012, right? It meant something. It meant like it was everything, right? Like mm-hmm. it was everything. But then I have to admit, like after 2000, pretty much 2014 and up to 2018, I remember thinking in my head, like, you know, honestly, it's not, I'm, life is not fair, but this is not fair. I remember when uh, the Michelin Guide awarded a uh, a chicken cart, like one, one, he served one item, chicken cart, not even mm-hmm. a chef. He was on the street and they gave him a Michelin star. And right there, I'm no disrespect, I'm, I'm sure the chicken's delicious. It was, like, <laughs> it was in Singapore. No disrespect, like at all. But the thing is, is do you know how many chefs have bled <laughs> to get one Michelin star? And then I'm sure the chicken's yeah. good. But like this kind of like rubbed me the the wrong way and it rubbed the industry the wrong way. But then I realized like they were just giving out Michelin stars like crazy. 
you know, from a certain for a certain period of time. And I know that last year a lot of mistakes happened with the Michelin Guide and giving out stars. And just the one that I know yeah. for real, uh, you know, they gave next in Chicago a three Michelin star plaque, and uh, you know they only had one Michelin star. But like the. I think last year is not a good showing for restaurants. They're mm-hmm. literally trying to stay afloat, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, literally. So, like, a lot of people were shocked when the Michelin guy came out. And here in California, I am so happy for all this, the, the restaurants that got a little bump, uh, you know, that bumped up to two Michelin stars. That's very important. But um, I have to be honest, half of them were closed for the whole fucking year. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. they were closed. They were doing to-go food. Nobody was dining in. And it's just like, you know... I think nowadays I, you know, I take the, the biggest thing that, um, with the Michelin guide that kind of frustrates me a little bit is that they're very, they only go to certain cities, right? So you have to be in a metropolitan city if you want to get a Michelin star. And I think it's like, here's a good example. Uh, Demi in Minneapolis, chef Mm. Gavin Kaysen. He's one of the best chefs in America. Okay. I don't care what anybody says, but he will never have a Michelin star. The fact that Michelin star is never going to go to Minnesota is real. And guess what? Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of unfair. I think, um, you know, I think, you know, just pick, picking the metropolitan cities, I didn't realize it until like, you know, older, but, and this is no hate because I think, um, you know, I think the Michelin guide is important, but I feel like it doesn't hold as much weight as it did about 10 years ago. Do you, what do you agree. guys feel about that? hundred percent agree. Do you disagree? Yeah. Agree. No, no, I, I don't. And now, the real elef- elephant, the real issue here, is our. We are TikTok educators. We are teachers. You know, we are these people. So what do we do mm-hmm. with this now? All right, like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's a, a. There are no Michelin starred TikTokers. You know, there. It's not the James Beard oh, Award yeah. where they are giving it out for being great at what you do. I kind of, I personally, and I hope, I hope this comes through in my content. If not, I just got to make more. It's okay. Um, mm-hmm. I clown on the Michelin star. Like I, uh, yeah. <laughs> like they gave a star to a restaurant. They gave it to a building and not the people who work there. So I don't, it's not like I have one in my house. Like I, I worked in an Academy award and I got best picture and we all, we were all in this together kind of thing, you know? So right now I've kind of have the feeling of like, I used to not tell people I had one. I used to, I, I used to, it's never been on my resume of mine. Because yeah, you're either yeah. living up to it or, oh, we don't want this fussy guy working here. Like, yeah, we pay well yeah. if he wants the job, but uh, we, we don't want to put up with your pretension. Like, congratulations, you know? And yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've found more and more yeah. that uh, I have this, like, snide, sneering attitude towards it. Like, uh, if, if, if we're going to flex for a minute, go ahead. But, like, I know, yeah. I know to me, couldn't tell you the day... We won it. Couldn't tell you where we were, what we did. We won it <laughs> yeah. three times in that one restaurant. I have menu yeah. items still on there. They're now a two Michelin starred restaurant. So, like, do, do, am I going to pretend that I'm not two Michelin starred at this point? I don't care. Yeah. Like, I remember you know winning what? the James Beard Award because I had to. Uh, it was my girlfriend's graduation night from oh. uh, from NYU, and uh, I met her in Chicago. I moved to New York. She was a foodie, so I was like, "Yeah, I'll get a job in a cool restaurant." Uh, I had, they called me in and uh, they were like, you know, she was, it's the job of the girl. And I was like, 
so I, I was at her graduation wow. and I left to go pick up because everyone wanted to come back and celebrate and order whatever they wanted on the menu and bring and bring like the we want one of them we want for architecture. I had nothing to do with the architecture of that restaurant. So yeah, but the architects came yeah. in and they wanted to do a big spread when they won, you know. And I was like, y'all built this restaurant three years ago, and now you're you're yeah. claiming your award for something you did three years ago? Maybe. Yes. So I'll you know it's so funny you say that because I'll end with this. So. And I didn't want, I didn't want to mention it, but when I was working at Saison, Saison had three Michelin stars, right? And uh, I was there when uh, the transition from Joshua Skeens to Laurent Gras was happening. Oh. And if you if you don't know who wow. Laurent Gras is, if you're listening, he is the creme de la creme when what it comes amazing. to chefs. He has won Alain Ducasse the most Michelin stars over in France. He has held three Michelin stars consecutively for I would say about half of Alain Ducasse's restaurants, right? Like he's just he's he was the chef. And uh, when uh, Joshua Skeens was at Saison. He got three Michelin stars, big achievement, booked, amazing. He's one of the best chefs in the United States. And then when Laurent Gras took over, they took a Michelin star away, Eef. right? So, the, so they bumped Ooh. down to two Michelin stars. And we all know as chefs that, hey, the stars leave when the chef leaves. Mm-hmm. We all know this. Mm-hmm. But for for the Michelin guy to take away the star and give Laurent Gras two stars, it really shook a lot of people and it made us all mm-hmm. pissed because Laurent Gras is, he, he is the, he's the king, dude. He's the king of seafood. He is a very good chef. And, but it just kind of like, it kind of put things in perspective for me. And this is why I tell people like, don't shoot for the award, shoot for the guest satisfaction. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, because uh, Daniel Daniel Hume even said the same thing. He's like, you know, listen, I love I love having three Michelin stars, but it's a pain in the ass to maintain. He's like, it's a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. And, and now now he's switched directions. He's going vegan. He's doing this, and I'm I'm really happy for him because you know what? You can't just be tied by the Michelin star. Here's another one: Noma, two Michelin stars for years. Then all of a sudden mm-hmm. this year they get three Michelin stars, and it's just like, in a way, it's kind of like. I'm thinking in my head, like, it's too late, man. Noma's already been the best restaurant in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. who cares about that third Michelin star? Even though it's a great achievement for them. I don't know. For me, it, it was just kind of like funny, you know? Yeah. Like, thinking I got to say, like, I'm planning a trip to France. I'm looking forward to it. I have hoteliers that I, I'm tight with at this point, and I can't wait to go. And in France, the Michelin Guide is like, this is the map. This is the roads. This is the reason for you to make a divergent. This is the reason for you to, like, <clears throat> take this turn and not that one. Looking forward to that, the real I don't think they've ever nailed it in the U.S. They just haven't. And they've never even been to Canada. Mm. <laughs> yeah. See, that's the thing. Well, Toronto. I think Toronto. I think they got Michelin stars in Toronto. But mm. yeah, it's, man. But that's what I'm saying. So anyway, hopefully uh, nobody gets offended. But um, not to say, not to say that if I were to open a restaurant, hypothetically, if, you know, if the Michelin guy came, I would, I would share the, oh, shoot. Oh, he'll, he'll jump back on. But I'm pretty sure he was just going to say uh, the Michelin guide. Um it, it kind of depends, right? For if I were to open a restaurant and I am, I will. I don't think I'm shooting for it, you know, ever with with the stars. Like I could care less for the stars. So that's that's what I'm trying to say. Like, they uh, Brandon got a little too too hype on now. He was like, ah, fuck Michelin. <laughs> no, no, I, I never say I never say f Michelin because it was such a big part of my life and the chefs that I worked for. But um, I will say, if I were to open a restaurant right now, and like you know, I, that's not what I would be shooting for. But if I got the award, then I'd be grateful, mm. and I would, you know, I would do, you know, that's that's amazing. But it wouldn't be my whole life story where some of these chefs, it's that's all they think about. You know what I mean? But um, anyway, I know we got to wrap it up. But um, 
I'll tell you what, man, pizzas. It was great to have you on. Thank man. you. It was, this was such a, an invigorating conversation. And I truly believe mm-hmm. like, I am so happy for uh, your success in TikTok. I think this is wonderful. I think, um, you know, the biggest thing is, is for all of us, Older, you know, I would say older, late thirties. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're uh, older. You know, we're older. Listen, I get I get clowned on from my chef friends sometimes for like, hey, I create TikTok sometimes, you know. But like, I think what's really important is creating content without worrying about what somebody else is going to think. And yeah. if you think about it, we we are all three different people. Like, mm-hmm. we are we, cre- we we all have different things that we create content on. And I truly, really believe in like other people's success. Like, I am so happy to see, um, you know so many people crushing it like there is room for everybody on this app man mm-hmm. there's six billion people yeah. like you have you have you can create content like and i think and i'm just i really like your uh like your mature content it really it really makes me happy every time i see your video i always double like it you know it's like <laughs> it's amazing so i'm glad glad we could have you on the show this was such a great conversation thank you and, thank uh, you both yeah. yeah no no absolutely like um I was just gonna say, if you guys need hate comments done, send it, <laughs> Dude, get it. this way. Get out of here, Casey. I'm more than happy to. <laughs> Dude, it's funny. All right, for everybody else, though, uh, I'll make sure Brendan's links are down below. Definitely check out his book. I didn't know we were kindred spirits, Brendan. I had no idea that you actually worked with some stuff. So, Rising Street was ours. Him and Lady Gaga. He was a DJ back then. Um, I could I could go down that rabbit hole another day, but make sure check them out. Other than that, though, everybody else, thank you so much. Have a good one. Peace Peace out.